The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak here for this Tuesday, the 4th of April in London. Coming up today, one day Credit Suisse was a single trading day from bankruptcy when sold. Today it faces shareholders for its AGM. Charged atmosphere, Donald Trump heads to court to face historic criminal charges. And on the right track, Fed Governor Cook says inflation is easy. Tax-cutting Chancellor Nigel Lawson dies and the ECB's warning on commercial real estate. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, Britain's leading business lobby, the CBI, faces growing claims of sexual misconduct. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories we're following today. Credit Suisse will meet its shareholders in Zurich today, the first and perhaps the last opportunity for them to speak directly to the board after the government-orchestrated rescue. Swiss National Bank Vice President Martin Schlegel has said that without the UBS deal, Credit Suisse faced bankruptcy. Bloomberg's Oliver Crook reports. Had Credit Suisse not been sold to UBS, it would have gone bankrupt the next trading day. That's according to Martin Schlegel, who told SRF that without the buyout, it's very, very likely a financial crisis in Switzerland and worldwide would have happened. The Swiss National Bank vice president says he doesn't see any signs of financial stability under a threat now, so the central bank will raise rates again if needed. Observers still expect another 25 basis point hike in June, but possibly no further steps. In Zurich, I'm Oliver Krug, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Well, we will be going live to speak to Oliver Crook in Zurich for more on the Credit Suisse AGM. He is right outside that AGM for us this morning. Now, President Donald Trump arrives in court today to face criminal charges, a first in US history. There are fears of protests around the court, leading some streets in New York to be closed for the hearing. President Biden has asked, was asked if he is worried about unrest. No, I have faith in the New York Police Department. Although Biden says he has faith, the judge presiding over the case has banned all electronic devices from the courtroom to prevent a media circus. 
The European Central Bank has not taken another half-point hike off the table. The ECB's governing council member, Robert Holtzman, said that the increase is still on the cards if the turmoil that's rocked the global banking system doesn't worsen. Holtzman did acknowledge the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, but said that his feeling would be to stay on course on interest rate hikes in order to address inflation. Uh, So that, uh, in terms of uh, the ECB uh, then this morning. Turning our attention, though, to the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve Governor Lisa Cook says that inflation has started easing. But Cook, who is a voting member, warned that a tight labour market could derail the outlook. We've seen wage gains moderating quite a bit. So uh, that, I think, is a, a hopeful sign. Um, but the disinflationary process is in, I think it's, it's, it's in process, it's in train. Uh, we're not there yet. So Lisa Cook speaking there at the University of Michigan. It comes as Fed policymakers try to price in shocks from Ukraine, China reopening and now oil. So that's in terms of central bank news. Uh, Now for some politics. Here in the UK, the Labour Party is homing in on crime as a key election issue. Leader Keir Starmer says that Labour would add 13,000 neighbourhood police officers. The government's hollowed out policing. They got rid of about 20,000 officers. We say put 13,000, but neighbourhood police officers, so they're in their patch working with communities. Both major political parties in Britain are seeking to present themselves as tough on crime with public confidence in the police plummeting in recent years. A damning report last month found that London's Metropolitan Police is, quote, institutionally racist, sexist and homophobic. Meanwhile, a leading uh, Labour politician has pulled out of an event arranged by the Confederation of British Industry. This after the lobby group faced fresh allegations of sexual misconduct among its staff, including reports from more than a dozen women who say that they were victims of sexual harassment. Yesterday, the Guardian newspaper reported that the CBI had widened an inquiry that it launched last month. A spokesperson for the lobby group, which represents 190,000 businesses in Britain, uh, has responded. Responded, saying that it has treated and continues to treat all matters of workplace conduct with the utmost seriousness. OK, those are a few of our top stories then for you um, this morning. A couple of uh, interesting other stories that um, have caught my eye. So certainly when it comes to the makeup of the Bank of England, I, I brought you a bit of you know what the Fed thinking is now on interest rates and the ECB. But here um, in the UK, the Treasury is going to announce successor to Silvana Tenrera actually as soon as this week. Her term ends on the 4th of July. Quite interesting to note which names are in the ring for this, one of which our listeners will know quite well. Sarah Hewen, of course, Head of Research for Europe and Americas at Standard Chartered. Also, Bloomberg reports that Germana Salahin, who is Chief Economist at Vanguard Asset Management, is another name. Uh, Both Hewen and Salahin uh, didn't comment, of course, on that report, declined to comment. Um, The Treasury keen to have a woman in place to keep the gender balance in terms of the external members of the MPC, but then it could sort of tip the Dove-Hawk balance uh, on the Bank of England uh, committee. So I think that's um, quite uh, interesting in terms of uh, what's happening with the BOE. I want to turn back then to our top story. Credit Suisse's board faces the music today at their first AGM since the bank was sold off in emergency measures. The government brokered takeover of Credit Suisse was, quote, the best among 
bad solutions. So says the Swiss National Bank Vice President Martin Schlegel. Joining us now live from uh, outside Credit Suisse's AGM, our Bloomberg reporter Oliver Crook. Um, Oliver, thank you so much for being with us. Why is there even an AGM happening if, if Credit Suisse is now part of UBS? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think that's, you know, there are a lot of questions around AGM, which is fairly peculiar, as you say, for uh, an AGM, given that this will not exist as a standalone entity um, in a couple of months. Um, But it still does. You know, the shares still trade and they did complete their last year's financial results, which is why they're holding their AGM. But the question is today, what is sort of so interesting about this is that this is also the first, it will be their last AGM. It'll be their first AGM in person since 2019 in four years. So since the last AGM on April 26, 2019, if you you held shares since then, you were wiped out to the tune of 93%. That was a company of a $35 billion market cap that was sold for $3 billion just a couple of weeks ago. So you have to imagine the daunting task before the board facing shareholders who are coming in today. So this will all kick off at 1030 local time. The chairman will speak, the CEO will speak, and then it's question time. Shareholders will give their statements, they will ask questions, and it can go well into the evening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's going to be um, quite a clash then, surely. What do we think might happen? I mean, so, uh, Norway's sovereign wealth fund uh, has also come out with a view around the re-election of Credit Suisse directors. I mean, again, question mark, does it really matter now? I, uh, I, I think it's a very good question. And I think that part of this will obviously be symbolic and about having confidence and about kind of who is held to account for what has gone on with Credit Suisse. Um, there are a few of the more contentious votes who were already polled before the, the meeting. But there is also, I spoke to one shareholder yesterday um, making the point that actually the board going forward is going to be the board that is going to be determining, um, you know, what is, is all the information going to get out to shareholders, to investigators, to UBS, to make sure that the board that is seating seated when this transition is going on has the right people in it and has the people that are untainted by all the issues of the past. Um, so I think this is where one area where you could have, you know, some substantial uh, move for the shareholders. But I think for them, it's just going to be questions. You know, was there no other alternative to the takeover? What were the conversations? Is there any other way for shareholders to get compensated? Are clawbacks on the table for pay, for example? All of this stuff will be, uh, you know, I think addressed today. Yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, you mentioned prosecutors. Prosecutors are probing the deal. What do we know about that currently? Um, we don't know a great deal about it. I, th- I think that, you know, I think the sense that we've gotten from the very beginning from this deal um, is that it is hugely contentious, right? It is hugely contentious, obviously, for Credit Suisse shareholders. It is contentious for UBS shareholders who didn't even get to vote on it. It is contentious for Swiss citizens and may not even have been what the government wanted. So I think for them, it's really very important to make sure that there is no stone unturned, that everything has been looked at, that there is a completely clean slate going into this. So I think that this investigation will be part of that. And we hear it constantly, right, from government officials, that there was no other alternative, as we were mentioning you know, earlier from the SMB. And so I think that this is part of that effort and really kind of certifying that this, is, that this had to happen and that it happened in a way that was legitimate. OK, uh, Oliver, thank you so much for being with us this morning. That is our Bloomberg reporter, Oliver Crook, there live outside of Credit Suisse's AGM, which does take place today. Thank you so much for your time. Coming up next, though. Tax-cutting Chancellor Nigel Lawson dies and the ECB's warning on real estate. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. 
the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And joining me this morning is Bloomberg's Leanne Gerens. Uh, the headlines, The Telegraph, Nigel Lawson, tax-cutting Chancellor under Margaret Thatcher, dies aged 91. The Financial Times, meanwhile, calls it radical tax-cutting. UK Chancellor Nigel Lawson dies at 91. Um, Leanne Gerens, what is the view now looking back on perhaps one of the most influential chancellors in Britain in the last 50 years? And one of the longest serving too, Caroline. Mm. So, you know, he holds a few accolades, we must say. And the papers have paid him respect. And the Telegraph does describe him as a man who really changed things here in Britain. And a lot of that we can still see in the city of London. The newspaper said Lord Lawson headed up the Treasury under Thatcher. And that was from 1983 to 1989. And he was really well known for modernising London's financial markets in the so-called Big Bang of deregulation. The Telegraph said he helped lead the privatisation drive that mm. put swathes of the public sector under the control of private companies. His work led to the privatisation of British Airways, British Telecoms, British Gas and also nat national electricity generators. So he did change things, Caroline. And as you said, a lot of people know his name and remember what he did during that time of Thatcher's reign. Yeah. The FT says Lawson was revered by many conservative politicians as a small state revolutionary. Yes. And they also said he resigned from the government in 1989, but he later won these th further admirers on the Tory right. And that was because of his support for the Brexit referendum and mm. for Brexiting the country. Yeah. And it's also important to say that he did run the Treasury under Thatcher for three years. They ultimately, Caroline, their downfall was all over economic policy. This is what's made the two of them really fall out with each other. And you know what was all, it was all over? It was over Thatcher's opposition to Britain during the Euro, joining the European exchange rate mechanism. Yes. And no, which he ended, saw yeah. as a means of controlling inflation. Well, this is, and I think this is why it is so fascinating and so much will be written about this. I mean, Lawson is an is an absolutely towering figure because, frankly, um, he created the modern financial system that has made London, you know, a kind of global centre. Yes, he he presided over the end largely of open outcry trading and the move to electronic trading, hugely important. Also, though. There was this idea of the kind of dash for growth in Britain. And haven't we heard that again in recent times? The idea of trying to revive Britain, that was a, a Lawson theme. And so I think it's very, very interesting that his economic thinking, you know, um, 
is something that is being thought about a great deal by the Conservative Party now, that has both pluses and minuses. I mean, Lawson's tenure was sandwiched between two absolutely awful and catastrophic recessions. And the kind of rereading sometimes of Lawson's time is that slashing income taxes as he did and all of that deregulation led to the kind of well, the Lawson boom and bust, basically, that led to that deep recession in the early 90s. And, you know, Caroline, I was born when Lawson was Chancellor. Yeah. So I was very young, but I was just having a really good read through what all the papers were saying about Nigel Lawson today and his legacy. And what you said is so true. I can see so many parallels to how things are being carried out yeah. now and how the Tories are making... Um, movement on what Nigel well, Lawson's ho- legacy was, if yeah. you want to say that in a lot of respects. And I know Rishi Sunak has a lot of respect for him. Our Prime Minister was the former Chancellor and said the first thing he did when he got the top job as Chancellor was put a picture of Nigel Lawson above his desk and that was really because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted yes. to draw on that legacy. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 11.30. I'm Caroline Hepker. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.